Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening. Welcome back to AI and the Future of Work. Thanks again for making this one of the most downloaded podcasts about the future of work. If you enjoy what we do, please like, comment, and share in your favorite podcast app. And we'll keep sharing great conversations like the one we have for today. I'm your host, Dan Turchin, advisor at Insight Finder, the system of intelligence for IT operations, and CEO of PeopleRain, the AI platform for IT and HR employee service. We learn from AI thought leaders weekly on this show. And the added bonus is you get one AI fun fact each week. Today's fun fact, big tech, think Google, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, own the most sophisticated large language models or LLMs, like the Lambda LLM we discussed recently. They own the content used for training and they also own the compute resources required to train those LLMs. What that means is over time, they'll also own the way the world communicates. Kind of a dangerous prospect. A new initiative called Big Science aims to change that. It's a community of about a thousand largely academic volunteers who successfully trained an LLM called Bloom on $7 million worth of donated compute resources and 176 billion parameters. It's free and open source, unlike alternatives, and could create the framework AI researchers need to build unbiased NLP applications. We will link to the full article in the show notes. But now shifting to this week's conversation, we've discussed how AI is impacting recruiting, hiring, and talent management with great guests like Renee Steenvorden from Randstad, and also more recently, Giselle Mota from ADP. Every aspect of the employee lifecycle from selection to retention, onboarding to offboarding is being improved through the use of AI. This is one of the fields that best illustrates the main thesis of so many of our conversations on this show. The bots aren't out to take your job. They're really out to make you love what you do. Today, most of AI exists to augment, not replace humans. Well, today's guest knows all about that. Eightfold is one of the fastest growing AI-first talent management platforms. The team recently raised $220 million at a $2.1 billion valuation from an incredible list of investors, including SoftBank's Vision 2 Fund, General Catalyst, Foundation Capital, where friend of the pod, Ashu Garg, is a managing director, IVP, and uh, Lightspeed as well. They're out to change how companies manage talent. And they started with AI to make it easy to perform every HR task better. Eightfold's not just a great tech story, but it's also a great people story. We're lucky enough to be joined today by Kamal Alawalia, Eightfold president. Kamal joined the company four and a half years ago after a successful high-tech career leading companies like Conga, Selectica, and Model N. And uh, without further ado, Kamal, it is uh, my pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. It's it started by uh, maybe having you share a little bit more about your background and uh, how you got into this uh, space. Awesome, Dan. Thanks for having me and uh, would love to learn more about LLM. That was like the most interesting start to the conversation. So uh, how I got into this was, I clearly saw the opportunity with what AI could do for us. I wasn't necessarily particular about uh, what space or what problem I wanted to solve, but I knew that I really wanted to be in their early stages, learning how to 
build a business with AI at its core. And I was fortunate to actually get introduced uh, to the two founders, Ashtosh and Varun. So, and saw just a great opportunity, the FOMO part, right? I didn't want to sit this one out and then regret it a few years later that this thing was right there. So I think the opportunity to work with them was uh, something I couldn't turn down. And then as I started to really dig into the problem that we were looking to solve, the right career for everyone in the world, and really start to peel the onion on the various parts of the workforce, whether it's because it's so many dimensions to it, right? It's not just the 25 to 35 year olds. It's the 50 to 60 year olds, the 55 to 65, women, black Americans, veterans, others who don't have access to digital uh, technology. Now working with 110 people who don't have four year college degrees. Like there's so many dimensions to this problem to solve that I think the mission became the thing that how do we actually unlock the best career opportunity for everyone at scale. And we had the team and we do have the team that we believe, I think we can do it and it's happening. So that was a compelling part. And now as you were sharing, uh, fortunately all the hard work has been coupled with some, lots of people who have believed in the same opportunity of both AI eightfold and what we should be doing for each other. And uh, here we are with, I, I think today we are being used in about 140 countries, 18, 19 languages with some of the most iconic companies on the planet. So it's just a pleasure to be doing, I think what everybody is looking to solve now. Incredible progress. Congrats to you and Ashtosh and the team. And to, uh, like I mentioned, Shugarg is a friend of the podcast. He was on uh, ah, last year sometime. I have to look up which episode. But uh, just uh, congrats to all of you. Great journey. Talk us through uh, how a typical customer uses the platform. I think there are several use cases. Some of them start with solving for the employees. Uh, initially, a lot of the focus was on internal mobility. And uh, then the additional use cases are, are, especially these days, a lot of discussion around upskilling. And then the second one where you can actually start using eightfold is on the hiring side. And I'll get into some of the details on how this all comes together. And the other thing that we did two years ago when COVID started was to help a company during the restructuring process. And now it turns out more con con companies will need to do that because of the economic conditions. And uh, the fourth use case is for your contingent workforce. And then we've also now built a multi-sided marketplace, what we call workforce exchange, that's being used by state of New York, state of Indiana, 110, et cetera. These are large ecosystems with multiple employers on one side and the general population on the other side. And how do you actually provide both the matching capability, but also how to get them to learn the skills that are needed. So multiple ways to engage. What we do is actually tap into whatever data sets are available, whether it's integration through HRIS, ATS, or in some cases, nothing, like in case of exchanges, and then marry that with all the global data that we have under our hood anyways, uh, to make sure that every organization has a running start with our AI. So the value of anonymized aggregate learning 
that's what we are bringing to every client because everyone now is looking for essentially on one side the same talent right whether you're a bank whether you're google whether you're a, a services company everybody needs digital talent so it becomes more about really understanding people and jobs so and now these days of course because of covid and all the emphasis on upskilling and the scarcity of talent clearly the focus on employees has been very very good it seemed like a decade ago hr tech was a mature space because we had uh, you know everyone from laggards like sap and oracle to new entrants whether that was a workday or maybe a service now as well as many startups what was broken about talent management before eightfold came along great question if you actually think about what those solutions were providing a lot of it was geared towards compliance rather than geared towards individual and today if i tell you the questions that we are answering that will frame what was not happening earlier right today we are talking to larger lot of like morgan stanley etc some of these ceos the key things on their mind are what are my employees capable of doing your hr system doesn't tell you that if i need to actually reskill people which ones are the ones who are closest to having the skill sets that allow me to serve the company going forward right so what is the cohort few dozens hundreds thousands who are the people what do they have how do i upskill them if i have to go outside to get new talent how can that be a rifle shot then wasting so much money outside and no, not having any certainty on when i'll land the right person etc and the fourth part is how do i do it with precision and control about timing and the last part is while i'm doing all this how do i become more diverse and inclusive now no company at scale will say that i will become diverse just a uh, diverse just for the heck of it right yes we all want the social benefits of it but you're still running a business and growing a business so what you're looking for is really how to understand the potential and really understand what someone is capable of doing so our ability to really understand the potential of an individual in the context goes a long ways in building that confidence those were the things that were simply not being addressed by the legacy vendors right and no understanding of jobs you probably heard about a lot of these two year long efforts by a consulting firm to do a job architecture right that whole effort is outdated by the time the project finishes and now the spe speed at which skills are changing you just can't have a static that i'll tell you what you should be doing no the world is moving very fast workforce is moving very fast and skills adjacencies learnability all these things are simply too complex for the legacy systems they were built as process applications not as data platforms and i mean you're a master at uh, doing all this anyways that's what you were sharing on the llm side it is about data most of the legacy systems were never built for that so one of the recurring themes on this show is the potential for job elimination due to automation mm -hmm. and and that's one theme and then on the other side we talk a lot about the great resignation and some of the forces kind of the macro forces that are leading employees to feel disengaged and look elsewhere for different jobs 
I know that one of the capabilities of Eightfold is facilitating the, the rescaling, the upskilling process. Talk to us about how typical customers use Eightfold specifically to address that kind of, you know, that, that confluence of factors right now. Absolutely. So just a comment on the first thing you said about elimination of jobs. I don't think it'll be elimination of jobs. I firmly believe it will be your job will change. Everybody's job. It doesn't matter whether you're a CEO or the uh, entry-level person in the company. Jobs are going to change. And what we'll need to think differently, and by the way, that's what leads to great resignation and all that stuff. A lot of people do want to try other things. That's just a reality, right? So how do you allow them to actually try that without forcing them to leave the company for them to try other things out? So with that as the context, that's what we're doing. That understanding is that things are changing. So who's ready to do what? And so we have now full uh, applications and complete workflows and use cases. So the main part is, let's just start with the employees. First part is understanding what are you doing? Now, all that data is not actually sitting in your HRIS. It is sitting in the systems where work actually happens. So for sales and marketing, it's sitting in Salesforce. For engineering, it's sitting in GitHub or Jira. All the detail is there, what they're doing every day. So those things now update the employee profile so that your everybody knows what you're doing, what you worked on, who you worked with, where you're getting accolades, et cetera. Then you may have preferences that, hey, I'm interested in trying this out and I'm interested in learning this. I am interested in dabbling in this. So those are your preferences. Now to match those, we have all the jobs that are available, all the projects that are available and opening up in the company, all the other opportunities for you to learn those either by taking a class or by participating in a project and working with some experts or talking to a mentor who could inspire you to actually now invest three, six, 12 months to acquire a skill or capability, right? So everybody learns things differently. We have all of those hooks in the system. And then the biggest part is, then we start to serve the recommendations as they emerge. So the individual then doesn't need to go out to keep looking and be on the lookout because the main problem is, if you don't know the right people, you will miss out on all the opportunities that are coming up. And our job is to actually change all of that. Everybody gets the same opportunity. It doesn't matter who you know, what who you don't know, what your network is, all that stuff, Whether you're, especially these days with hybrid work and remote work. You're not going to meet or have that same network as you would around the uh, cafeteria, et cetera. So we're getting rid of all these things that would prevent someone from having the same access to everything that's happening in the company. The third piece, which is actually the most important piece is transparency. You're a good fit for this because of these reasons, right? That full trap, whatever a manager would see, the same information should be made visible to the employee or in case of hiring use case to the candidate. And if it's accurate, and in our cases, it's 90% accurate out of box, and then it only gets better from there. If it's accurate, it builds confidence. And when we are finding potential and we are saying, hey, we think you'll be a good fit for this role also, which they haven't seen themselves, but they say, oh, I didn't realize that. I like that. Now, proof in the pudding besides the theory and technology, right? 
more women are getting hired by our clients, more African-Americans, more veterans, more people with disabilities, not just in US, in Europe, like Vodafone has hired 144% more women in the first six months than they did all of last year. So those kind of numbers are very, very heartening for us that it is making a difference to the person. They are starting to see opportunities. They are seeing an ability to apply with confidence and then getting them. That builds confidence that, hey, if I learn these things, I can actually do what I want to do. That Vodafone statistic is inspiring. I'm glad you shared it. But let yep. me challenge you yep. on that, uh, that, that example. So all AI is a data problem. Mm -hmm. And in that case, let's say the use case of making a recommendation to me about opportunities that may be a good fit for me, the data will show that the kinds of opportunities that might be appropriate for me are ones that people that look like me have been successful at in the past. I'm just going to throw it out there. That's probably a, a big part of the algorithm. Yep. And let's say that it, you know is going to skew toward technical fields where more of the data is represented by males because more males are in those kinds of technical roles. What are the kinds of things that Eightfold does to mitigate for the impact of bias training data? And I mean, again, it's a brilliant example, like what you shared with Vodafone. How did that work for Vodafone? Great question. There are a couple of things. One is that in our data set, we don't take any other PII information, whether it's name, age, sex, gender, et cetera, into account. Second part is some of the pedigree issues that may trigger bias. Uh, for example, you went to Stanford, there'll be others who didn't go to Stanford, right? So you take those things out because none of them are, act those are the ones that actually create bias. So that's number one. Second part is just to continue on that thread. We have a lot of checks, both manual and automated to keep checking for area under curve, et cetera four-fifth rule. So all the compliance requirements as well as additional ones that we are bringing in to make sure that there is really no difference in the recommendation, whether the candidate is a male or a female or other uh, parts of the workforce. The other element is how to then provide dashboards within the organization so they can also see if there is variation from the norm and then what to do about it. Right. So if you don't have enough women at the top of the funnel for a particular role, yes, you will go back to trying to basically you'll end up hiring another man. Right. So if there is aren't enough women, then go back to the job calibration to make sure are you asking for stuff that skews the population at the top of the funnel. So in all cases, what we're doing is showing you the data. And if it's not quite in line, then also giving you the ability to fix the scenario so that you are in every stage doing the best possible job for the business. But in every single case, that actually provides the justification because that's the main part that what are we asking for that's skewing the hiring or the internal mobility use cases. So that's one side. The more important part is clearly there are parts of our workforce who have not done certain roles in the past, right? So yes, we've done all this, but then how do we find people who can still do the job well? Because that is the essence. That's where the AI plays a bigger role. What we are seeing with our machine learning is not just who, who's a good fit today, 
but who can learn some of the missing skills over the next three to six months. And that when you apply to both your employees and to the outside population, now you actually have a much greater ability and much wider aperture to bring in more people who are diverse, but also capable. Then same thing that I said earlier, the transparency of our matching and recommendation. So both sides can see it. For example, you may be looking someone to partner with you on your podcast. And you look at my resume and say, hey, I don't see anything on the communication side. So I see that, that, okay, I don't have it. And say, no, no, but I did this here. It's just not written here. So the thinking that we are bringing to the table is trust, but validate, right? That's the other part of doing this thing at scale. That if I'm somebody is claiming that I have those skills, do we have any evidence from our global data set to confirm that? If not, then both sides know that, okay, now I need to prove it out that I have the skill. And for you to actually say, I need to verify this. Right. So in all cases, you're using the data very effectively for both transparency and to make sure that you get through the process with fairness, but with speed and accuracy. And that, by the way, when you look at the hiring process or internal mobility process, how could a recruiter know all the skills in depth and verify those, right? How can a hiring manager know everything? So, and all these things are very varied. And today we are the beneficiary of actually learning from uh, well over a billion profiles, over a million skills, over a million titles. As I said, global data set, 140 countries, 15 language, we are in 18 plus industries, including mining. So that was the other part of your question, right? That how does this thing cover all these cases? Like digital skills are easy, but then there are a lot of other skills that are not as easy to tap into. Then we are doing a lot of work with veterans. Clearly they are amongst the most skilled folks and they are actually also have all the soft skills that companies would yearn for, ability to work under pressure, ability to work under you know, a lot of gray zone, under physical stress, all of that. So how do you match their training and skills and experience to the civilian jobs? So that's the core of it. It is actually a data problem and that's the biggest mindset for everybody to think. AI is equal to data. You need to think like a data, data company. I love that example of how it goes beyond just heuristics or pattern matching. Yep. Being able to predict what types of skills that might not be explicit in your profile indicate what careers or opportunities may be right for you. That's yep. a that's a great example of the departure of where traditional data-driven techniques don't provide the same benefits as AI. Yep. Now, as vendors of AI-first solutions, we have a responsibility for mm -hmm. our technology being used res responsibly. So let me, uh, let me go through a hypothetical with you. So Eightfold uh, makes a recommendation, let's say that someone gets a promotion and there's clearly you know, some kind of a high confidence score that, yep. that Eightfold assigns to that candidate. That candidate ends up, let's say, you know, doing you know, some things that are unethical or maybe is involved in you know, some, some things that are you know, against the company culture. At, at what level does Eightfold take responsibility for making a recommendation that could potentially harm employees downstream? Great question. I think the key to that is 
the criteria that is used to hire that person, whether it was internal proportion or the outside. So if ethics or other parts of company culture that are important, then we simply need to figure out how to validate that this person has those credentials, right? That either they have shown or not violated the ethics. Sometimes it's called a background check, but there'll be other assessments, et cetera, to be done to validate that this person has those right characteristics that would make it a, a good, good fit for the company. Second part is then to validate how would we know that this person is sticking to that. And that's the continuity that you need. And that's why we actually have that uh, platform view of uh, talent. That it's not just how you, what determines who's a good fit to be hired or promoted, but also how do you track the performance? And then it's simply a matter of validating that. In some cases, it's not like uh, Eightfold needs to cover all bases and do the checks and balances, because clearly those some of those evidences or signals will come from other sources. But we can definitely bring those signals in so that you actually have that uh, validation also, whether things are being done right or not. And simple things are whether it was on the interview side or you participate in a project, right? You can actually identify that here are the five things that matter to me. If you're part doing any task, your team members and your project lead actually gets to rate you on those five things. And that way, and because in every single case, if you have enough data sources coming in, you will be able to see whether this person is uh, adhering to the culture norms or not. So in every single case, we have all the hooks to actually provide that uh, sort of a holistic view. So in a world where Eightfold is ubiquitous, I can just imagine how it will impact how organizations are structured, how we think about a career, you know, how we feel we deserve to be in the best place based on who we are and we, we contribute you know, the most based on our skills and our passions. What's your vision for what the world looks like in terms of org structures and teams and employee dynamics in a decade when every organization is using Apple? So some things I have a lot of clarity on and I'll share those. And some things are, I think, evolving as we settle into the new hybrid world. So I'll cover both. The eye-opening part and why I'm so excited that I was, I got an opportunity to be part of the Eightfold team is some of the stories I'm hearing being the platform for 110.org, right? This was started about in 2020 by some of the big execs from American Express, Merck, Charles Phillips, Ken Frazier, Ken Cheno, Ginny Romedi, et cetera, to really help a million black Americans who don't have a four-year college degree find family-sustaining jobs. Now, getting a chance to talk to each of them, and these are amongst the most successful people in corporate America. All of them are only a couple of generations away from not having access to education or the kind of prosperity that they had. But once they were, they got that opportunity and they worked hard, all of them did. But then in, in a decade or so, everything changed about their family. So this notion of family sustaining jobs is a very big deal. Now, turns out that issue of not having a college four-year college degree is not just limited to that part of the workforce. There are 70 million people in US who don't have a four-year college degree, right? So that's one part of the, 
the workforce. The other part is, to some extent, people like you and me who have actually had good access. We have good education. We have more choices available to us. So what we are looking to do with our company is all of us will have different aspirations and different ways to actually be happy about what we want to do with our skills and what we want to do for our families, what we want to do with our lives, how to unlock all those use cases. And the thing that we want to eliminate is your work, employment, career satisfaction is not going to come from simply jumping from one company to another. You should try different roles and jobs because it's a learning opportunity. But I think everybody will benefit more if there was a little more continuity. Yes, variety in your daily work, but a little more continuity. So we are a little different from our, both our business model. Like LinkedIn, I mean, their businesses, hey, whoever you are, go do something else in some other company. I think that kind of thinking is flawed. So that's what we're trying to think is, how do we give you the best possible opportunity when you're ready? And in some cases, for example, several of us have had several jobs, five, 10 jobs, maybe more. How can each one of those be the best available opportunity at that time? And if you're not in a rush to leave, maybe you should wait and wait for the right opportunity to emerge and then do it. Right. So make each of these things count. So the timing providing you the right information, providing you the inspiration that, okay, I want to become this. How do I become that? Right. I mean, you've had a fantastic career. You were a product guy, engineer, then you were CEO. You've had successes with exits in your organizations. Like you've had a very interesting career and each of those I'm sure took some work and some things fell in place. Some things you worked hard. So all of us have different journeys. How do we make each one, each turn count? So that's the vision. Now the part about uh, hybrid work, I think there's a ripple effect to what's happening with all of us because initially because of COVID and now because of the way we are working together. Clearly productivity is not an issue. All of us have shown that we can sit at home and work hard. The thing that I'm seeing is I think it's equally important to figure out how we build trust with each other, how we communicate better. And that almost the human part of our working with other humans is not yet solved. Zoom is not the answer. And I'm seeing that uh, we have a large team now. We were about 130 people at the start of COVID. We were about 550, right? So a lot of people have joined who have, we have not spent enough time together. I just see smiles when people finally meet their colleagues. That's the part that I'm, I'm working on to figure out that in a hybrid world, how do we create that same level of trust that we can continue to work hard and thrive with each other, even though we are working from different parts of the world? That part, I think we still need to work out. So Kamal, I got to get you off the hot seat, but I'm not letting you go with, uh, without answering one last question for me. I think that the the mission statement from Eightfold, it's brilliant. The right career for everyone in the world. As I was preparing for this, it just kept resonating in my head. I'd say it's 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 maybe number one or number two to the the other one that inspires me, which is Google organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Just two statements that are big and bold and visionary. And I can imagine 
you know, just like what Google has done, you could create a really amazing culture if it's a culture that that embodies that that vision. Educate our audience about what are the things that are special about the culture at, at Eightfold, and I know it's one you've helped create. So b- brag a little. Tell us tell us what you do to keep your own talent engaged. I think there are a few things. Uh, one part that I personally subscribe to is this notion of extreme ownership. And I got introduced to it about 10, 12 years ago. And this is something that's taught to the Navy SEALs. And clearly they are the best of the best. But the key part there is most of the time, it's a very small team that's sent out to a remote location to do a very hard, tough job, do it quickly and come back with success. And what goes into building that kind of proficiency is a lot of practice and building trust with each other. And you have this notion of Navy team, SEAL six, right? So five. So these are small teams that are very good with each other. You have to trust each other and not be questioning each other. You have to appreciate what you're trying to solve and then work backwards to have a plan and then how to practice and execute all of that and know how to communicate the good news and the bad news, right? So all of this made a lot of sense to me. Because what I realized was that nobody has enough of anything. Salesforce doesn't have enough resources. We don't have enough resources, right? So there's always something lacking that I think it's really about empowering everyone to do the best possible job, regardless of who you are in the organization. And then on the other side, clearly we are making that shift of being a premier AI company. Our brand is being built around that. And as you said, to be an AI company means you're a data company. So how to bring some of the other folks who are not as proficient and comfortable with large data sets in getting them comfortable to actually learn how to leverage that, marshal that more and more. So all of that is coming together. And I think what binds us together and has sort of enabled us to work so hard is that the what we're solving is bigger than each one of us. And when you see so many people getting the success in their sites, that's fantastic. So I think the internal culture is whenever we put up the numbers that look how many people got hired, how many people in their current companies, and I think uh, Prudential had shared this, their internal mobility went from 34% to 58%, right? So you're getting the people to stay longer, do different things, enjoy the journey those things go a long ways. I think we will be in a better place. So I think the ability to execute, so it's walking the talk. Yes, the mission is good, but the evidence along the way, I think it's that's really fueling all of us to actually keep keep going at it. Just a fascinating conversation. I really, I, I learned a lot, enjoyed all, all your examples. Where can the audience learn more about you and about the work that Eightfold's doing? I think... Uh, Yes, clearly happy to engage in a variety of ways, come to work, all that stuff. But more importantly, I think it's a matter of introspection. It's really thinking about becoming very thoughtful about the biases that we bring to our workplace, whether with each other or in our hiring as managers and all that stuff, is to really, and I think the essence of what we're trying to do, and by the way, you mentioned Google also, and a lot of our thinking has evolved from what our founders did at Google. Really learn to appreciate the goodness in an individual. That has more value to you 
than all the faults we spend time waste, you know, basically waste time focusing on. The goodness will continue to get better and better. The gaps or the weaknesses may or may not get better. But I think the ability to understand the potential, understand the goodness, the strengths, what enables an individual to go to great lengths and do great things, that is the key. It can be done with AI or do it without AI. doesn't matter. AI is simply a tool. But I think it's really us understanding the jobs and the people a hell of a lot better than we've done so far. Don't take shortcuts on that. Kamal, I think uh, every human should be rooting for you and uh, an eightfold to succeed. This was really brilliant. I enjoyed this one. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me, Dan. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. Well, uh, that's a wrap for this week on AI and the future of work. I'm your host, Dan Turchin, uh, signing off. But of course, uh, we're back next week with another fascinating guest.